This is the Baller on a Budget podcast. I'm Eileen, your host and your favorite Baller on a Budget. This isn't just a podcast about money management. We talk about all the juicy bits that surround money, the taboo, the heartbreak, the struggle, and the ridiculous moments we all face when it comes to saving some extra cash. Ready? Let's go. Hello, hello, ballers. Welcome to the first episode of the Baller on a Budget podcast. I'm Eileen, your host, and welcome to December. If you're listening to this on the day we went live, it is the holidays, which means lots of spending, lots of going broke. Love it. Um, I've been working hard to produce this podcast basically by myself while creating content for the website, which by the way, if you haven't checked out, please do so www.theballeronabudget.com. There are tons of great tips to save money on all things fashion, beauty, lifestyle, and more. And while you're there, take a minute to subscribe to the newsletter so we can connect on a personal level, you know, have fireside chats, imagine us cozied up on the couch drinking hot cocoa and chatting about how we are drowning in student loans or whatever money thing it is that's going on with us now. You can also connect with me on Instagram. Username is at the baller on a budget. I post a lot of fun stuff on my stories and you get to see more of my goofy and candid side if the blog is too polished and impersonal for you. Now, for those of you who are new to the baller on a budget, I am the OG, the baller on a budget. I was raised by two Filipino parents and the first of four daughters to be born in America. I was born in Brooklyn, New York, and then raised um, in the suburbs of Southern California, about 80 miles east of LA. So still not a city kid, definitely a suburban kid. Um, It's been a weird 28 years of my life as an Asian American. I know there's this stereotype that Asian people are all crazy rich Asians, but I wasn't, and I played Keeping Up with the Kardashians ever since I was a kid. Um, it, it was absolutely ridiculous. I was around some snot-nosed, spoiled Asian kids in a Californian suburb, and let me tell you, kids are brutal. They awakened my FOMO in, during my childhood. I remember my friends would have all of these cool things, and I wouldn't, And I'd come home and I'd ask my mom if I could get one too. And naturally, she'd say no. So everything by default sucked when I was a kid. Um, My mom and dad were penny pinchers. My mom was a stay-at-home mom and my dad worked full-time, overtime, and graveyard shifts as a nurse. And we did not have money laying around to buy toys. So I had to use my imagination to pass the time. Um, And I remember being denied so much as a kid that as an adult, my reality felt the same exact way. I felt unable to buy myself stuff that most people my age could afford with no issues. And I was in an unnatural amount of debt being so young. I started working the day I turned 15 and a half. Um, I got a worker's permit from my high school and I was working ever since. <laughs> I have been a victim of capitalism ever since I was 15 and a half, you guys. And I feel like that is a very uncommon narrative in this country. 
at 19, I held like three jobs at the same time and I was still broke, which made me super confused. Um, so I just went to the closest community college and I studied photography and I eventually stopped going because um, community college credits weren't really something on my parents' shopping list at the time and neither was it on mine, to be honest with you. So I winged it and I started my own photography business um, and I then doubled up and went back to school to be um, a licensed esthetician, you know, a skincare specialist. And then that didn't work out too well for me. So then I went back to school to become a realtor. And then that didn't work out too well uh, for me. So then I was basically everywhere in my 20s doing all of these odd jobs. And after being laid off a second time and then being forced back into unemployment, I had the brilliant idea of starting the ball around a budget and I never looked back. It was basically the best decision I have made to this date. And now here we are on the first episode of this podcast, which is an extension of my website and my social media presence. I hope that on here I can share more things in audio format that I feel like wouldn't really do well on blog posts. So I'm just really glad that you guys are here tuning in and I hope that you continue to follow us along on this podcast. So for today, we're going to be talking about the crazy year that is 2020, you guys. I don't know if you guys are listening to this from like 2022, 2025, 2030, or God forbid if we're still alive in like 2080 or something like that, if we're still listening to podcasts, but this year has been insane on so many levels for everybody, everybody on this planet, Um, but mostly like I feel like America has just been a crazy place this year. We had um, COVID and then we had the second outbreak and then we had um, the election this year, which was just an absolutely crazy political climate this year. And I feel like it has definitely gotten people very politically active, which is a great thing this year. Um, And there's been so much uh, civil unrest And there has just basically been a revolution. And it's been crazy to be alive during this time. Um, But for the sake of this podcast, we're going to talk about the whole financial situation of 2020 because it has been an absolute disaster for a lot of people. I know for me, it has been a complete 180 on my financial situation where like 2019, I got my money together, my business was flourishing, we saw green, we saw everything going uphill from here, and then boom, 2020 happened, my income decreased by over 50%. Um, I am now literally between a rock and a hard place with my business, and I know that that is just not an uncommon story for a lot of entrepreneurs this year, but on a general scale, 2020's economy has been crazy for a lot of people. There there have been a lot of people that have lost their jobs this year due to the pandemic. Um, lots of small businesses have been forced to close because of um, quarantine and uh, stay-at-home orders that have been happening all across the nation. So it's been a very trying time for a lot of people. We have been cooped up at home for what was supposed to have been like two, three months max um, starting in the springtime. And it is now December and we are still having, we have brand new stay at home orders. 
Um, so we have a curfew. We can't go out past a certain time. And it is just, it's so surreal what we're living through right now. And the money situation has been horrific for a lot of people because it has been jarring to a lot of our realities. People have not only lost their jobs, but now they have no way to put food on the table. Um, rent is still being collected because for some reason, politicians are not prioritizing the stop of a rent collection from landlords. And mortgages still have to get paid to uh, towards the banks. And again, politicians are also ignoring that. So a lot of people are having a really hard time with making ends meet. Um, earlier this year, there was a stimulus check where we got a measly $1,200, which, by the way, especially in places like California, that is a joke because that cannot even satisfy a lot of people's rent. Um, and it was a one-time payment. It was not a monthly payment. We were just given $1,200 and the government was like, well, you gotta go fend for yourself. Um, and then a lot of people got put on pandemic unemployment assistance and that I think is ending towards the end of December. Um, so collection benefits will stop and there's going to be a lot of people who are not going to know what to do after this point. So it, it is just a new level of stress for the holiday season. Now we're worried about uh, my pandemic unemployment assistance is about to end and um, I can barely afford presents this year and I don't know how I'm going to make rent next month because I have been put out of a job and there are no job leads out there. How the fuck am I going to make things work? For a good measure, I also want to, full disclosure, let you guys know that we are going to talk about politics here because politics is a part of money and politics have been a huge determining factor of the way things have been going in 2020 and so if that's not something you want to hear maybe this isn't going to be the right podcast for you but we are going to be talking about politics here and there on this podcast because politics affects our money if you make under six figures chances are politics are going to affect you the most out of everybody else in this country we're discouraged um, socially to discuss politics and that keeps us ignorant and when we're ignorant we are not empowered to make better financial decisions so on this podcast we are going to not skirt around it and we're going to break the ice on politics just as much as we are about money so i know you guys are going to be asking well eileen how do we recover from the financial mess that is 2020 look i'm not going to tell you to like calm down or not panic. I think that's some of the stupidest advice that anyone could ever give to another person during this time. Um, it, it's stressful. I think everybody has the right to be freaking out right now. Um, but once the dust has settled, um, you know, I encourage you guys to take a good hard look at your finances. And when I say that, I mean logging onto your bank accounts and not even just checking your overall balance. I mean actually looking into your statements, looking at your transactions, and seeing where money is coming out and coming in. Um, you know, take note of any strange spending or frivolous spending. Um, I know that when times are really stressful, it can feel like an instant hit of happiness to just kind of go online and then buy something on Amazon super quick and then just have it shipped to you like next day, right? Um, but that is not helping us 
during this financial rut of 2020, and this is not going to help you recover going into 2021. So you need to take ownership of where you are spending and where you are saving. Um, For me, I personally have a spreadsheet um, where I manually input all of my spending habits so I know exactly where my money is going, whether it is to my utilities, to my insurance, to maybe like um, like a sweater that I bought or gas or whatever. So I know exactly where my money's going. Um, I suggest that you guys make something like that too or use some sort of budgeting app. Um, there are so many nowadays. We're not even going to get into it on this episode because there's just too many options. But log your numbers. Um, log your income, your essential spending like rent, food, gas, insurance. You have to know where all this is going. And then also logging your savings. So I know that savings is very um, different from person to person. Some people might not even be in the position to save because maybe they've already spent all of their savings or now they're running on their credit card. But um, if this is something that you can manage, just setting up um, an automatic deposit of like $5 a week to your savings, that is a start because it's not so much in the beginning how much you save. It is just building up the regular habit and normalizing that as part of your financial wellness is like normalizing saving just as much as you are normalizing paying your bills in a timely manner. So I want you guys to try to establish a ratio of wants versus needs versus savings. Um, Senator Elizabeth Warren, she has like a 50-20-30 ratio in in her book where 50% of your income goes to your needs like your rent and your food and your gas and your insurance and then 20% goes to savings and then the remaining 30% goes to your wants. So you are still able to spend money and, um, you know, like play with your money um, because you, you work really hard for it and you should be able to spend it in ways that make you happy, right? I think 30% going towards that is a really good place to start, but those ratios are going to be different from person to person. Some people are going to um, save very aggressively, like they might bump up that 20% savings up to like 40% and then they might only use 10% towards their wants. So it's really up to you, but I think that 50, 20, 30 is a really great place to start. And now after you've let those numbers sink in and marinate, that should give you some time to think about where you want to be financially in 2021. So at that point, you should consider setting some goals like where you want to be in the spring, summer, fall, and then at the end of 2020. And I think these goals should be realistic according to the numbers you've seen when you analyzed your recent spending habits. Now, obviously, you want to make it a little challenging and make your money sweat just a little, but don't set goals that are going to feel impossible and discourage you from actually trying. So the way I set up my financial goals for the year is in the beginning of the year, I do a power move, which is like something I can do financially to really get the ball rolling and get me motivated. So that can be anything from seeking out debt consolidation or applying for a balance transfer credit card to make your debt more approachable to pay off. Um, It could be booking an appointment with a financial coach to hold you accountable. It could be setting an appointment with your CPA to file taxes, Um, you know, shopping around for mortgage loan rates to refinance your mortgage, finding a side hustle to earn some extra money in the meantime. Anything like these, I consider 
financial power moves. So you might want to think about like something that you can do in the beginning of the year to really just get you motivated and fired up. Now, the next thing um, on top of that is to set goals throughout the year. I set quarterly goals um, that take me between like three to four months to accomplish. That way, I am constantly staying on track. Um, Like a good a good quarterly goal could be like paying off $2,000 on one credit card by April. Um, if you know, if you start in January and then you reach that goal by April, I think that gives you enough time to hit that goal or save up $3,000 by the, by the end of June. So I'm a numbers person and I find money goals easier to hit when I can break them down over time. And so if I would want to save $3,000 by the end of June, that would break down to $500 a month for six months. Or if you want to break that down further, $125 per week. So that amount is going to be different from person to person. And that's why you need to sit down with your bank account and see what numbers are possible for you. But if you can do it, then by all means, set the goal. Okay, now we got the boring money planning out of the way, right? So this next part is something we don't often talk about, but I highly encourage. It is to make a list of rewards for you to pick from. Think of it as a reward menu that you can treat yourself with when you've managed to hit a goal. And um, remember, these goals don't have to be big. It can be as small as staying on track of your spending for the week. So 2020 was a perfect illustration of the behaviors that we engage in when we're feeling stressed or emotionally satisfied. And um, during lockdown, I bet a lot of you started to brainlessly scroll through online retailers and buy things that you never planned on buying in the first place. Um, Frivolous spending is one of the biggest setbacks to our financial plans. And that's because retail therapy, it activates the reward center in your brain. So when you're feeling sad or stressed or angry, shopping immediately makes you feel as if you deserve that particular item because of the emotions that you're experiencing. So if you can channel that impulse and save it during a day for when you've earned it, you can satisfy that shopping craving and turn it into like a planned purchase that won't derail you from your financial goals. And FYI, um, your rewards don't have to be these big high dollar items. They can be like a variety of things like books, which are, you know, 10, 20 bucks. They could be shoes. They could be, you know, like a $200 online course. They could be a $5 um, Amazon Prime rented movie. Um, You know, they can even be something like a bubble bath. It doesn't have to be something that you have to purchase. It just has to be something that you want that you feel like would satisfy you. So whenever you see something online or at the store that you want to buy, instead of buying it right then and there, just add it to your reward list. The list is always going to change and you'll frequently look at it and like add or remove things that may no longer speak to you anymore. So Operating from a reward list keeps your brain satisfied and your emotions fulfilled without sabotaging your money goals. And that's so important. It, like, it trains you to be more patient when it comes to treating yourself rather than buying something during the heat of the moment. So not only are you keeping yourself motivated throughout your um, process of achieving your money goals, but you're also teaching yourself to be more responsible with your money and be more aware of what triggers you to spend frivolously and you would be surprised when you start operating from a reward list you can actually identify the triggers that make you spend and it's 
nine times out of ten, you guys, I'm telling you, it is because of your emotions. So this will be a major eye-opener um, that will help you a lot more than you think. So definitely get a reward list going so that you can get that spending under control. This last part is just some personal advice. Um, I, I think that we need to start talking about money. I think we need to stop treating it like it's this taboo thing that that is inappropriate to discuss over dinner or with your friends. Um, I mean, it is no secret that a lot of us are struggling financially in 2020 and maybe not all in the same way, but, you know, these are all valid. Like, every every single catastrophe that we've gone through in 2020 related to money is all valid and we should be able to talk about those things in a safe place without, you know, being judged. So, if you can establish a support group of like friends or family around you that you can talk to about your money situation, I would say by all means start talking about it. Get more comfortable talking about money. Be more honest. I think like the big thing that makes us not talk about money is because we're afraid of looking like frauds, right? Like we are driving these nice cars or we we wear these really nice shoes and if we were to come out with the truth and tell people around us that we are struggling financially, people will look at us differently. But the reality is, is that how many of us are trying to maintain these images that are not accurate reflections of our financial situation? We need to be able to, to give ourselves the grace to make financial mistakes and learn from that. Because maybe... Maybe at that time, um, you thought you could afford those expensive designer shoes and now maybe you're regretting that and that's perfectly okay. Maybe you bought a couple things in the past that were not really beneficial to your budget um, and that's fine. These are all learning experiences and we need to not be so ashamed of the decisions that we've made in the past because we're working on it right now. So give yourself the grace to make those mistakes, to be human, and hopefully the people around you will give you the same grace in return to not judge you for making the choices that you've made in the past, right? Um, you don't judge them, they don't judge you, it is what it is. So find your support group and you'll never know if you can put two heads together and find more effective solutions than you would have come up with if you were just doing it on your own. So that is my roundup of tips for cleaning up the aftermath of 2020 and moving into 2021 with your best foot forward. Look, guys, I know that once the clock hits 12, things are not going to change instantaneously, but a new calendar year is a fresh and clean slate for all of us to try something new and try to turn things around. So I am here. I am your cheerleader. If you guys need to slide into my DMs on Instagram, feel free to do so. Uh, again, my username is at the baller in a budget. If you guys enjoyed this episode, screenshot it and post it on your stories and tag me and, you know, let your friends know that this is a new podcast and I know the subject content of today's episode is a little heavy. I promise you things will get more funner 
and more engaging, but this was just kind of like a survival guide episode. So keep your chin up. I know that you guys can do this. We can all do this. We're all in this together. I am rooting for you, team baller forever. Um, This is the end of the first episode, so I hope you guys tune into the next one and then the third one and the fourth one, and I hope that you stay along for the ride. So that's all for today, and I hope you guys tune in next time. Bye. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. If you enjoyed this one, please leave us a review on iTunes so we can keep producing more episodes for you to listen to. And the conversation doesn't end here. If you had any great takeaways from today that you'd like to share, post it on Instagram and tag me at theballeronabudget so we can chat. Follow me on Insta if you haven't already or subscribe to my newsletter at www.theballeronabudget.com so we can stay connected. We'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, stay ballin', baller fam. 